Hello and welcome to The Nudge, the consumer psychology podcast which explains the science behind how consumers make decisions. This episode will be slightly different to normal. I'm currently lucky enough to be travelling around South America actually, which means I haven't been able to sync up a guest to join me on the show. So for today's episode, this will be slightly shorter than usual and will only feature me. And do let me know if you like this type of format and I'll record a few more like this if that's the case. I recently just finished reading Inside the Nudge Unit, a fascinating account of how the author, David Halpern, encouraged the government to form a behaviour science team. The team, which started in 2010, quickly grew from a small unit of 10 employees to a large organisation of 60-plus, influencing several different parts of government. Right now, they make decisions on hundreds of different areas of government, from the letters we receive from the HMRC to the road signs we pass on the M1. Today, I'll talk through the basic framework they implement and some of the successful nudges they've used. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct-to-consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing, and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com slash service to do more for your customers today. The Behaviour Insights team faced a major challenge when they were created in 2010. Many MPs were dubious that behaviour science nudges could actually improve the efficiency of government, So to ensure their actions were understood and appreciated, they created a framework which would guide all of their ideas. Their framework is a short, simple mnemonic called EAST. The mnemonic comprised four areas where the team would attempt to implement these improvements. They are make it easy, make it attractive, make it social and make it timely. What's so great about the framework is it can be applied anywhere. It works for public or private organisations, large campaigns or a simple email. It's a clear checklist that you can use on all of your ideas. Anyway, let's start with the first one, making it easy. David Halpern and the Behaviour Insights team were pretty confident that most parts of government contained too much friction. They gave a compelling example, stating that most of us had the intention of switching our energy supplier to get a better deal, but most don't do it due to the paperwork, time and effort involved. 
So the team's first idea was that if you can remove these frictions, you can encourage more citizens to complete a desired action, like paying taxes on time or living a healthier life. One way the team did this was by harnessing the power of defaults. Pretty much all behaviour science literature suggests that we have a strong desire to stick with the default option. By changing the default, you can usually elicit a fairly large change in behaviour. For example, the team knew that getting citizens on pension schemes was a pretty good idea. Surveys clearly showed that people wished they'd put more money in a pension scheme earlier, but simply never got round to doing it. In other words, there was too much friction. So, they changed the default for a pension scheme from an opt-in to an opt-out. In October 2012, UK employers were told to automatically enrol their workers into a pension scheme. This default switch increased overall participation rates in pension schemes from 61% to 83%, meaning 400,000 more people now have a pension, a significant achievement for one pretty small change. Another way to team make it easy was by reducing the hassle attached to certain activities. One of these was around energy supplies. The government had successfully forced energy suppliers to allow clients simple and easy movement between different companies, meaning consumers could now switch to get a far better deal. The problem was that most consumers just didn't get round to switching. The BI team weren't surprised. In the UK, there are over 300 different energy tariffs, dozens of different suppliers, and thousands of different combinations of tariff bills. For a consumer, it was difficult to figure out what tariff they were on, let alone figure out the best deal that tariff would get you elsewhere. So the team removed the friction by doing two things. The first was to create an app which quickly and simply found the best deals for your tariff based on the price and satisfaction. The second was to make it easy to find your tariff by adding a QR code to every single energy bill. Once scanned, the app would tailor the deals based on your tariff, area and current offer and allow the consumer to find the best deal in seconds, a simple scan of the phone, rather than hours calling different suppliers. So that was the first principle of East, making it easy. Let's move on to the second principle, make it attractive. Being distinct, standing out, having salience are important not just to large businesses with bulging marketing budgets, but also for simple communications. Making a communication attractive makes it more likely to be noticed and more likely to be actioned on. For example, putting a handwritten post-it note on envelopes increased the response rate to a survey by the Irish Revenue from 19% to 36%, a fairly significant increase for a pretty small change. But the BI team discovered more nuanced ways to grab attention. The UK's DVLA struggled with individuals who failed to pay tax on their vehicles. All in all, it's estimated that around a quarter of a million unlicensed vehicles were present on UK roads, representing around £40 million lost in taxes. The DVLA has traditionally focused on placing larger and larger fines on these individuals, but these barely moved the needle. So the BI team used a different approach to grab their attention. The team tweaked the normal letter to include an image of the vehicle the recipient was driving. This attracted the attention of the recipient and made the idea of losing their vehicle or paying a hefty fine far more salient. This increased the percentage of vehicle relicing from 40% to 49%. 
Now, hopefully many of you are listening and nodding along to this, hopefully acknowledging the power of personalising a message to capture attention. It's the classic cocktail party effect. The Behaviour Insights team truly quantified this power with a trial aimed at encouraging doctors to pay outstanding tax. Typically, only 3.8% of doctors with outstanding tax actually paid when they received the standard tax letter. However, when sent the same letter with a slight tweak that referred to them as a doctor rather than not referring to them as their job title at all, the amount of responses skyrocketed to 21%, from 3.8% to 21%. Personalising this message, even with only the recipient's occupation, significantly improved action. The team have found success with this approach all over government, including tax collection letters in Australia and university applications in the UK. But they also used it for a slightly different audience. The team ran a trial with a large investment bank to test different ways of encouraging bankers to donate a day's salary to charity. The control group received generic emails and leaflets encouraging the bankers to participate, explaining the work the charity does. 5% of bankers offered to give a day's salary when they saw this communication. The team then slightly tweaked the approach by making the email more personalised. This included addressing the banker by name and having it sent from a person the banker knew. This increased the percentage from 5% to 12%. Then finally, the team tried adding one more nudge to further improve the result. Simply, they offered those who signed up a sweet from a sweet tin. The sweet activated the rule of reciprocity and increased the percentage to 17%, a dramatic increase from the control group. An attractive message that's noticed will generate far better results than a generic one. So when you think about your sales pitch, your email campaign or your next charity fun run, find ways to make your communications attractive. The third principle of EAST is make it social. Humans are social animals. We are heavily influenced by what others around us do and say. Give our Social Proof podcast a listen to hear about some of the weird ways we blindly follow others. The BI team knew that Social Proof could dramatically improve how governments work, so they went about implementing it across departments. They started by adding a classic Social Proof statement to tax letters. The new BI-influenced message stated that most people with your level of debt in your area pay their tax. This one line of text increased payments by 15%, resulting in 1.2 million more being paid in the first month of it being used. This tiny change was so significant that the HMRC and Behaviour Insights team were awarded the 2013 Civil Service Award for Innovative Delivery. They then started applying the same principle to encourage people to donate more to charities in their wills. They asked the co-op legal services to test social proof messages in their telephone scripts to see if it had any effect. The new script added just one question, asking, Many of our customers like to leave money to charity in their wills. Are there any courses you're passionate about? This one question alone raised twice as much money for charity as the traditional script, simply utilising the social proof principle to serious effect. Moving away from donations and tax, the BI team then wanted to apply the Make It Social principle to job seeking. They wanted to know if small improvements to the UK's unemployment service, Job Centre, could decrease the number of people unemployed. 
the team attempted to use the commitment principle to encourage job seekers to follow up on their promises to go to job interviews. Todd Rogers, a US social psychologist, found that you could dramatically improve voter turnout by simply asking a voter how they get to a polling station. It's believed that when the voter explained how they plan on getting there, they make a commitment to themselves to follow through with that action. The BI team thought it made perfect sense to apply this insight to the job centre. So job advisors were asked to ask job seekers what they planned on doing in the following week to get a job. They were then asked to write these commitments down in front of the job advisor, who then follows up to see if they were successful. This commitment to act dramatically increased the amount of job seekers off benefits within 13 weeks. In other words, it got people back to work faster. And it was just the consistency principle that was being added here. There was no other changes to the job centre's processes. Now we're on to the fourth and final principle of EAST. Make it timely. We respond differently to prompts depending on when they occur. For example, we're more likely to run a marathon when we turn 29, 39 or 49 as individuals see a nine-ending year as more significant. We're also far more likely to change our habits after a major life event like getting married, having a child or losing a close relative. The importance of timing is well recognised by social psychologists, but it's often overlooked in government policy making. The Behaviour Insights team strived to change this by prompting people when they were most likely to be receptive. The team tested this hypothesis with Her Majesty's Court Service. This department was ultimately in charge of sending bailiffs to a property if somebody refused to pay all their fines. Typically, the department would send a series of more and more serious letters to individuals, but the BI team wanted to trial if a well-timed text message could make a bigger difference. The key moment that was identified was the final opportunity to pay before a bailiff was issued. So, in a randomised controlled test, some individuals received this text one day before the bailiff was scheduled to visit. This timely message, which simply said, a bailiff is on his way, please pay your fine, had a major impact. The amount of fines paid by individuals who didn't receive the text was £4. Those that did receive the text paid more than double, on average, at £13. Simply one new well-timed message worked dramatically, saving the government money and also saving the citizens an unwelcome visit from the bailiff. A large-scale field experiment showed that moving signature boxes from the end of a form to the beginning of a form can significantly increase honest reporting. The team tested this on a car insurance driver survey, which asked how many miles the owner had driven in their car. When prompted at the beginning to give their signatures, i.e. when prompted right at the start, you know, a sort of timely prompt, customers reported having driven 10% more miles. In other words, they were simply being more honest. The difference amounted to 2,428 miles per car, or a $97 average difference in the annual car insurance premiums, depending on whether they signed basically at the top or the bottom. This shows the power of asking somebody to make an honest declaration at one point rather than another. The study's authors argue that signing our name activates our sense of reputation and duty for a brief period, even if we're not aware of it. It makes you wonder, if an organisation really wants us to read the fine print, maybe they should ask us to sign at the top rather than the bottom. 
Timely messages can also be combined with the consistency principle. For example, encouraging employees due for imminent vaccinations to write down the time and date of their appointment increased vaccination rates by 4.2%. Similar results were reported on in the book Influence by Robert Cialdini, which showed that the amount of people who showed up for their dentist appointment greatly increased when they were asked to write down when their next appointment is. Anyway, that's it from me today. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Nudge.